Hi, and welcome again here to the Heart.org booth. This is Manesh Patel from Duke University, and I'm at the American Heart Association Scientific Sessions 2011. I have the distinct pleasure of talking to John Spurtis here today about the PRISM trial and product and understand some of the stuff we're doing to get closer to our patients. John, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. Um, Can you tell us what prompted you guys, or tell us a little bit about PRISM and what, what, what it's about? Well, you know, we're all struggling to practice evidence-based medicine, and, and we were really interested in the idea of trying to practice and deliver evidence-based medicine one patient at a time. And, you know, with so many studies, we look at the average benefit for the population. We really wanted to personalize that, and then we thought it would be really valuable if we want to implement it within the routine flow of care, which is a challenge, because there have been lots of web-based calculators that have existed for years, and we wanted to be able to execute risk models with patient-specific data, which is the personalization one patient at a time, but also to be able to do it every day, every patient. And so we chose the informed consent process because that's a, a process that's really been shown to be flawed in multiple, multiple studies. Patients don't read the consent form, they don't understand it, and they don't participate in shared decision-making. So we sort of bundled these two passions together to create an individualized, personalized consent form for angioplasty that had unique individual patient risks of mortality from the NCVR model, which is really used for the legal purposes. You have to tell people there's a risk of dying. Bleeding, because there's really a lot of opportunity to improve our treatment of bleeding with radial approaches in higher risk patients. And so we really wanted to um, focus on that because there's been, Steve Marceau's done a very nice study demonstrating a risk treatment paradox there. And we thought if we alerted docs to what the bleeding risk was, they could tailor the more aggressive, more expensive, intensive therapies to those who most needed it. And then for shared decision-making, um, Bobby Yeh recently published a nice study showing the ability to predict the risk of restenosis with bare metal or drug eluting stents using a, a model that's more complicated than just vessel diameter, lesion length, and diabetes, but also much more accurate. And so we, we really folded all of that into a much more educational consent form and then tested that at nine centers using a pre-post study design, which, I mean, it's not a randomized trial, but, you know, there hasn't been any change in the process of informed consent for decades. So uh, what we found was a marked uptick in patients participating in the consent process, in patients understanding the risks and benefits of treatment, and in patients engaging in shared decision-making. And given that, you know, there, there's no other reason there should be a secular trend to explain that. We attribute a lot of that to the prison consent and the way docs use that in delivering care to their patients. That's awesome. So, obviously, a really big step forward in how we care for patients around some of the procedures. What do you see as next steps for how you guys use not just the prison product, but how you test it and see how we do with patients? Well, we we think this is this is a a paradigm. It's a model for delivery care that, that we would like to see extended in a lot of areas. I mean, just an informed consent, certainly you could do this for ICDs or carotid procedures and build some of the data from the NCDR registries for that. The, the That's largely informational. My passion is really trying to engage patients in shared decision-making, and for that, uh, I'd really like to see us build tools for chronic coronary disease. You know, should I get um, angioplasty or bypass surgery or continue with medical therapy and to work with data sets 
like the Courage Data or the Approach Registry in Canada, which are unique registries because they also focused on quality of life. And I think the real advantage of angioplasty and bypass surgery is in symptom control and quality of life. So we really want to start to go in that direction. We'd love to see models like this for ICDs. You know, should I get an ICD or, or not as a patient with heart failure? Should I get one with biventricular pacing or not? I mean, these are the kinds of sort of evidence-based decisions that we can individualize. And I think carotid treatment, you know, stenting versus surgery would be a wonderful thing if we could leverage data from the CREST trial to start to really exploit the variability in individual patients' characteristics and the association of that with benefit or outcomes. And I think that's really the next phase of evidence-based medicine and, and really an extension beyond the current guidelines, which don't individualize care to that extent. Well, thank you so much for joining us and great findings again. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity.